0: All right, Father, I am grateful for our body. I'm grateful that, Jesus, you're present in this place. God, I'm grateful that you are are desiring to help us to grow and to learn and make connections and to just, in our hearts, to grab you more deeply to, to really understand that, you know, friendship with the world is really hatred with God. I pray that as we talk about some things that might even identify those sorts of topics today, Pray that you would give us listening in the of ears. Give us great, gracious hearts and learning, learning, God. Give us learning, not only in our head, God, but let it transfer to our hearts. So anoint my words as I preach. Give me grace to speak well and also those who are listening. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would do what you do, how you have conversations with us in the middle of preaching, and, and it helps us to grow. So we invite you to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for those of you who've been here with us, you know that we are in the blessed life. Um, This week, we're going to talk about the spirit of mammon. We're going to talk about breaking the spirit of mammon. How many of you guys ever heard the word mammon? Incidentally, it's only in the Bible four times. And and technically, my mic's a little hot. You might want to bring me down some. Um, It's only in the Bible four times. And Two of the times, it's a repeat, so it's, it's Mar- Matthew's gospel and it's Luke's gospel. So technically, it's only in the Bible three times, but we're going to talk about that and how it applies to the resources, the monies that God gives us. So I've had the privilege as a, as a pastor, spiritual leader, um, to travel the world. Like I've been to Cambodia, I've been to Thailand, I've been to Guatemala, I've been all throughout Mexico, and I have seen some, some like poverty that's really unbelievable, like I've ministered on the top of dump heaps, like, and I'm being literal when I say that, in Guatemala and in Cambodia. And people live there, that's how they survive. I, I've, I've been to places like this. I've been to places where we rescued girls out of sex slavery, out of trafficking, and we paid to get them out. Like we, you, When I say we, I mean we paid to get them out. I didn't pay to get them out, we paid to get them out. I've seen like really remarkable stuff. So when we're talking about mammon, what I want you to understand, is what mammon is and that it's really the spirit of the world, spirit of Antichrist that's alive and well and it's attached to our resources, our monies. So when we talk about mammon, I wanna show you what is this spirit of mammon. Like I said, it's in the Bible four times. The first time is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, no one can serve two masters for he'll either, he'll either hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. When Jesus talks about this, he says, no one. Everybody in the room say this, I'm a no one. No. You cannot serve two masters. Can you say period? period? You can't do it. And what's wild is I teach this to you. I want you to get a picture of something. Your money's either given to God or it's embraced by the world and it controls you. There's no middle ground. Everybody wants middle ground. You guys know that? You know that God is very much an if, then, and either, or kind of a God. He very much is that way. And and in our modern culture, like, man, I can't go on tangents. Too many notes. I will say this. I was listening to a debate this week between a Christian and a Mormon, or not a Mormon, a Muslim. And and I was listening to the debate, and they so much did not understand who Jesus was. Listen, either side. And it was heartbreaking to me because I thought, man, they were so dealing with the law and the periphery of who Jesus was. They never touched compassion or grace. And listen, when we talk about money, what we're talking about is this, giving everything over to God so that we live in a way that God is Lord over every area of our lives. So when Jesus talks about it, he says, listen, you can't serve both. You can't entertain your intellect, the Mormon and the, Muslim and the Christian guy arguing, and be honoring to God. It just doesn't work that way. No one can serve two masters. You're either serving God or you're not. Now, when Luke writes about this, he expands on it a little bit further. This is Luke chapter 16. This is verses nine through 13. And he says, and I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of the wealth of unrighteousness or mammon. That's actually the word that, that is in there. So that when it fails they will receive you into eternal dwellings. We'll come back to that later in the sermon. Verse 10, he says, He who is faithful in very little things will be faithful also in much, and he who is unrighteous in very little things is, also, is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, mammon, who will entrust you true riches? If you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, speaking of God, Who will give you that which is your own? No servant, say no servant, can serve two masters. No one can do it, okay? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted or literally despise the one, or devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, wealth. Can't serve both. So then the question then becomes this, what's mammon? So mammon's a pretty interesting word. Like I said, it's only in the Bible four times, and once it's a repeat, so three times. So why are you focusing on a word that's only mentioned three times, Pastor? Watch. This is where it comes from. Mammon is earthly goods, riches, watch, deceitful riches. Okay? It's always used negatively. It's never spoken of positively. The root of the word is an Aramaic word. And, and it comes from the Syrian god of riches. So when you're talking about money, mammon, they worship the Syrian god who was in control of their monies. That word, or that rooting, rather, comes from Babylon. Who's ever heard of Babylon? By the way, do you know that in the scriptures, Babylon is always a type of what? Come on, church, you're better than this. What's Babylon always a type of in scripture? You guys are mumbling. You guys really don't know. The world, there it is. Babylon's always a type of the world. You'll see Babylon get destroyed, and it'll reappear in in Revelation. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, too. So Babylon, Babylon is literally sown in confusion. You ever get in a conversation with somebody, and they just babble on? (laughs) And don't you get lost in the car? like, I'm confused about what we're even talking about anymore. That's actually the root of where this Syrian god was worshiped. Babel was founded on this, pride and arrogance. Remember, this was the people who say, we don't need God. We'll build a tower, and we'll get to heaven without God. That's the root. So watch. I don't need God. I need money because I can satisfy my own needs, my own world, my own life if I have enough what? Is it true? Come on. Come on. Let's just be honest for a second. How many of you have had a lot of money and a little bit of money, and the money didn't really make much difference? Actually, if I'm honest, times where I had more money, I found the problems were greater. And the opportunities for me to make dumber decisions with getting into debt and all sorts of stuff was greater because I had more that I had to listen manage. Remember, this is all a study in stewardship. What are you going to do with what God gives to you? See, mammon was a prideful, arrogant spirit that says this, you don't need God, you just need more money. Yep, that's what it says. So watch, watch. If we're going to talk about this, what is mammon? So mammon is the spirit of the world. Like I said, Babylon in the scriptures is always a type of the? Okay, so now you guys know Babylon's always a type of what? It's the way the world does things opposite of the way that God does things. It's contrary to the way that God would do things. That's what it always is. Listen, listen, let me say this to you. All money has a spirit on it. Okay, I'm going to prove this to you in a second. All money has a spirit on it. When you tithe, you, you give to God, it breaks the power of that spirit on you. So why do you give? Remember he says the curse, like honor God with the 10th part and the rest will be blessed. And when you don't honor God with the 10th part, the rest is cursed. That's what you're taking your money out of. When you give to God, it removes that sense of curse, the opportunity for the devil to kill, steal, and destroy where he, he thieves from you. Anybody ever been stolen from? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, i found that oftentimes in my own life, when God is asking me, like, like tithing is a foregone. I've been doing that for years. I'm just not trying to brag, telling you God established that in my life years and years and years ago, probably two and a half decades ago. But generosity and listening when he says, give beyond, pay attention to, stop for that homeless guy, help him, go over there, do this, give this money. But, but if I give that, God, I can't go fishing if I give that. No, no, I'm talking about my world. Like I'm telling on me right now. If I give that money, I don't get to get on a boat and catch a tuna. And I want to get on a boat and catch a tuna. And God says, yeah, but the tuna won't be in heaven. <laughs> but their soul might be if you help them. Right. You got to think like this. this. is how you should think as a believer. God gives you stuff so you can steward it wisely and honor him with how you manage your money. See, all money has a spirit. It's either God's spirit or it's the spirit of the world, spirit of mammon. And when we tithe, we take it out. God redeems us. This protects it from being cursed. The second thing, mammon tries to take the place of God. So the first thing was this, mammon is the spirit of the world. The second thing is mammon's going to try to take the place of God. Mammon will always promise you everything that only, listen, that only God can give you. Watch, I'll prove it to you. If you had more money, people would listen to you. If you had more money, you could live in that neighborhood instead of this one, and that neighborhood's nicer, isn't it? If you had more money, you could buy the nicer car, and people think you're all that in a biscuit, you know what I'm saying? They'll think you're a little bit more. I love that saying, like, like I go out and I buy things to impress people. You guys ever do that? Go out and buy, no, you're like, no, I don't do that. Don't worry, I'll touch something that does happen to you. But but, but listen, listen, listen. It's always this. Mammon will promise you things that only God gives, and you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon wants to rule you. It will try to rule you. Mammon is looking, listen, for servants. You cannot serve God and mammon. You're like, I don't do that. You ever work so much that you can't go to church? I'm telling on me right now, before I was a pastor, now I work for church. It kind of works together for me. I got to show up and know I'm playing. But listen, when I was in the world, I found all sorts of excuses not to show up. Listen, how many of you guys can fill your time with fun stuff? Come on, let's just be honest. Remember last week, I talked to you about priorities, about principles of first. Where do you put your free time? Because listen, I found the biggest challenges are what we have discretion over. It's not when, like, if your boss says you got to show up at work, well, then you go to work or you lose your job, your job. Yeah. yeah. But what about when you have free time and you choose not to be in the house of God and prioritize him? What about when you have free time and you choose not to serve and prioritize whatever it might be for you? Remember, it's always about prioritizing who God is. See, listen, you got to think like this. Mammon wants to be your God. Wants to control everything you do. Wants to always talk to you about where you're putting things, how you're using them. See, mammon will promise us security. Mammon will tell you this, that it can protect you from life's problems. Yeah. Now listen, I'm going to say something strong. If money can solve your problems, it's not actually a problem. Money can get you in trouble. You in trouble. See, God is the one who solves problems. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, now listen, I ain't going to lie to you. When I've had more money, it's easier. But does that mean that it actually solves the problems? No, no it doesn't. Because often the problems are stemming from a heart issue, not from a resource issue. See, see it, it promises that it'll protect you from life's problems. It promises you that you can buy your way out of problems. OK, so I want to tell you guys a quick story. This is not in my notes, but I think it's worth telling. So, over the last few years, like in 2017, we did financial peace. We're going to do that again next year, by the way. So for those of you who never took financial peace, financial peace is a stewardship class. It teaches you how to take your resources, get out of debt, get savings, and live, watch, financially at peace. How many of you guys took that class with me? Look around the room, a bunch of hands went up. How many of you guys actually did it, and you would say life is a million times better? Like, watch, when the car breaks, I don't have to freak out about whether or not I can pay for it. Because I have savings now. Am I, am I, talking, am I telling the truth, you guys? Yes. Listen, I tell you that because the Bible doesn't say anything negative about money. But does money have you or do you have it? Or do you manage it? Do you steward it? Are you in control of it? Can you bless when God says to bless because you haven't overencumbered yourself? Can you serve when God says to serve because you haven't given it somewhere else to a, a party or another thing or a vacation or somewhere else that even God didn't direct you to give it to? Listen, this is about managing what God has entrusted to you. See, mammon will do this. You're safe. You're good if you have enough money, no life problems. You can buy your way out if you did have problems. See, mammon will do this. It'll give you identity, significance, independence, power, freedom. This is just like the temptation of Jesus. Listen, just bow to me. I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Not any different. The temptations are lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. That's always where it will go. If you have enough money, you can be self-secure instead of dependent on God. Only God gives true identity. Only God gives true security. Only God gives true independence power. And only the Son sets you free. Somebody say amen. 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 See, it's so important that we get control of our resources so that we can live as people blessed. And then we can also be a blessing as well. See, Jesus said this. He says, if you love one, that you're going to hate the other one. No middle ground. Uh, Am I telling the truth? Is there any middle ground in that statement? If you love one, you're going to hate the other. Okay, I got to let you off the hook real quick. Does everybody need money to live? Okay, everybody's like, phew, I'm glad you said that, Pastor, because I'm starting to feel guilty. No guilt. Do you have your money or does your money have you? Are you in control of it? Are you managing it or is it managing you? Listen, when we started financial peace, I'll tell my story just to tell on me. We had about $30,000 of unsecured debt and two car loans. Total, total was about $45,000 of debt. You guys know that I do side work. I do floors and doors and stupid stuff like that. I'm old. It hurts now, but I still do it. We paid off all of that in six months. Wow! We got completely out of debt in six months. Then we started saving. And when we started saving, we saved enough to buy a house again. Right. OK, so you're like, wow, like, how did you do that? We stewarded our money. We stopped wasting it. We stopped getting in debt. We got rid of car payments. We got rid of credit card payments. We got rid of all the stuff that sucks your money dry. Yeah, I don't know if you guys ever really thought about this, but a credit card, listen, you ever looked at their buildings? No. Their buildings are nice. You know what I'm saying? And their computers, they're top of the line. They're like the newest, latest tech. you know why? You're paying for them. See, when you don't steward your money, your money will control you. And then now you're, the borrower is always slave to the lender. This is scripture. So I'm trying to help you just get a picture. Jesus said you're going to love one. You're going to hate the other. You'll be loyal to one. You'll despise the other and think lowly of it. Often we despise God, listen, because of money. That's why we get uptight with God because something doesn't work the way, but we weren't faithful. I've never seen a situation where God wasn't faithful. Like, I keep telling stories. I got to stay true to the notes, okay. And our house burned down. We were homeless and we're not anymore. You know, I'm just saying. Thank God. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, but your house burned down. Why would God let that happen? I don't know why God let that happen. I know he got into my heart pretty bad. So I saw a lot of ugly in me when that happened. I saw a lot of drive, a lot of self-sufficiency, a lot of scrambling to take care of life. And then God's like, yeah, you're like, you're like the kid in the car seat sitting in the back with the fake steering wheel. You're trying to steer the car. and You have no control of it whatsoever. If you'll let me take care of you, I will. That was very humbling. I was freaking out. My wife was having a party. All the kids were in a hotel room together. It was just, she made it fun. She did. She did. So, listen, I'm trying to help you guys learn. Like, ultimately, God is in control. And when we honor God first, he honors us back. That's how it works. You can't love one because you'll hate the other. You either will trust God or you'll trust money. If you despise God, it's usually because we've been loyal to mammon. There's no either, it's either or. There's no middle ground in this. So, listen, please don't get uptight with me. Check your own heart. Anytime I preach stuff like this, it's like kind of like direct and rigid. This is always what I think. Take a deep breath and say, Holy Spirit, is this me? How much of what pastor is talking about, how much of this word applies to me? That's what you need to do. Because ultimately, I'm not your God. The Spirit of God is the one who convicts. The Spirit of the God is the one who leads us in righteousness. So don't get condemned. Pray and learn and listen, that's how we grow in Christ. So Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon, why? Because it's in direct contrast to the Spirit of God. It's wanting to take the place of the Spirit of God in your life. You, you, if it, listen, it's not money, it's the spirit that rests on money. Um, I have watched people become successful and there's nothing wrong with success, somebody say amen. Like when people tell me Christians should be poor, Abraham was filthy rich. Yeah, right. Okay, not a little rich. He was filthy rich. Moses, he's in Pharaoh's court. He, he was wealthy. All these, all the patriarchs were all wealthy. You can go, there's nothing wrong with wealth, but does wealth own you? Or is it surrendered to God? That's ultimately what we're talking about. What if I told you this? What if I told you that the that the spirit of mammon is actually, listen the spirit of Antichrist. What if I could show you that in scripture? Would you say, I'm listening? We're going to study Revelation in just a few weeks, so we'll be getting into that. But watch this. And in, in the book of Revelation, it talks about this very thing. This is verse chapter 13, verse 16 in Revelation. He says this. He says, and he causes all, somebody say all, all. small and great, rich and poor, free men and slaves to be given the mark that is on their right hand or their forehead, And he provides that no one, say no one, watch, will be able to buy or sell. That's the spirit of Antichrist right there. I'm going to control you through how money works. You know what? If you really serve Jesus, Steve, yeah, you ain't going to be able to buy a loaf of bread. You guys are going to starve. If you really serve Jesus, Grace, you won't be able to pay for your house. We're going to take your house. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Mammon and the spirit of Antichrist are, listen, one and the same. They're the same. It controls you through your resources, has you living in fear. Listen, at the end of the day, money ain't going to solve your problems. God is. You've got to think like that, church. This isn't a, a preaching about money. This is a helping you to understand Mammon says, you need me, can't survive without me. Without me, you can't provide for your family. Listen, mammon wants to be God. That's ultimately what it is. If mammon isn't a spirit, talk to me. How come it can talk to you? Watch. You should give that money. Well, you won't be able to get on that tuna boat, James. Come on, has this ever happened to anybody else? God says, do this, and you start hearing things in your head. If I do that, I, if you had the right clothes, the right cars, the right people would accept you. They would think more of you. Michael and I were going to go do something after church, and we drove the little red car. For those of you who don't know, the little red car is like a 2005 Scion. This thing has 290,000 miles on it. You're like, whoo, how come he keeps driving it? Because it gets 35 miles to the gallon. That's why. I feel ridiculous. I feel like a big guy in a little coat. That's the car is ridiculous. But I, and we're going to go somewhere. And I'm like, this. I thought this. Should we drive one of the other cars so we don't look <laughs> funny? I mean, Michael's not a small man, and I'm bigger. <laughs> and this is a little car. And I just thought, no, I'm not going to succumb to that. So, so I'm going to drive my Sequoia so that I can spend sixty bucks in gas instead of thirty, exactly. yeah. to to impress people that I don't know and don't care about. You hear? Me? Are you guys listening at all? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we've got to think about what it is that's going on when we succumb to Mammon. You know, we think that 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 we would be accepted by the right people if we did that. You can't serve two masters. Loyal to one, you're going to despise the other. Listen, a lot of us. What happens is we serve money, and then when God when something happens, we think it's God doing it to us, and we get mad at God. It's not God doing it. If you entrust to God your stuff, he'll protect your stuff. It takes it out of the curse. You can't serve both sides. Mammon says this, if you had more money, people would listen to you. You did. You... Watch, watch. I'm going to tell on myself right now. you guys. I hate, I hate moments like this. But these are moments where God says, if you tell this, it might make sense to them. So, so like, I've been a pastor for 20 years. 20 years. I've been a pastor of this church for 16 years. And we've ebbed and flowed in size. And, and I've had people say to me over and over, when are you writing your book? And this is what I said back to them. Who's going to want to read a book from a guy who's pastored 150 people? No one wants to listen to me. What, what have I got to say? I mean, clearly, if I learned it, it would be bigger, wouldn't it? Uh-oh. You guys with me? This is how this spirit will play with you. It will lower your expectations of what God could do through you because you buy into the idea of like prestige, the way things look versus who God is. I, I'm confident of this. Watch. I'll prove it. Henry, you learned anything from me, brother? His, his head's doing this number. <laughs> he looks like a bobbly head in the back. Santosh, you learned anything from me? Am I smarter than those guys? No, they're brilliant. They're God lovers as well. We learn from one another. But when I think like that, it limits the possibility of God working through my life. Listen, you can't think that prestige or the way things look is what other people are looking for. In fact, I would, I would suggest to you the opposite, that some people are not looking for something polished because it's more authentic. That's right. That's right. Maybe, maybe it doesn't have to look quite as shiny as we think it needs to look for God to use it. Somebody say amen, That's, that was important, okay. Okay, so, so listen, we need to get to the point where we understand that God is entrusting stuff to us and he wants us to really manage well the things that he's given our way. So watch, how do you know, how do you know if you succumb yourself or come underneath this idea of mammon, whether or not the spirit of mammon is impacting you? Watch, how many of you have ever thought this? I either need God to come through Or I need somebody to give me some money. Can I get hands? Come on, I bet you everybody in the room has thought this. See, when you think like that, that means that you think money can solve your problems instead of God. It's sad, but it happens to all of us. By the way, somebody take a breath. (gasps) This is all of us. What I'm trying to do is make you aware of it. Am I trusting money, savings, security, pension, livelihood? You know, next week I'm, I'm going to be officiating a friend's funeral. I'm not officiating, I'm speaking, though. 52 years old, very, very successful guy, making a ridiculous amount of money. Never thought that he would wake up that morning and go home. Woke up that morning went home. He thought he had many more years, much more life ahead of him. And it's sad to watch everybody scrambling around him to try to figure out how do we do life now. See, listen, listen, we've got to understand what's important, what's priority, what God is asking us to stay focused on and to do. So listen, listen, if you think this, I need God to come through or I need more money, you've bought into the world system. Just trust God to provide. You'd be surprised how he'll do it. You'll be surprised the way that God will show up and come through. You'll be surprised at who will give and help and serve and bless and do things that are way, way outside of what you thought could happen. Like, like I, man, I feel like I want to testify. You guys good for a little? I'm a pastor, and I've been a pastor for a long time. Summit compensates me well today, but it wasn't always that way. My brother-in-law said to me one time, he said, man, James, you always have nice things, like your house is nicely decorated. You, you have nice places to live. Your kids are always well-dressed. He said, how do you do that? I smiled. I said, yard sales. <laughs> But in all seriousness, I said, I laughed, and then he, he laughed with me. I looked at him. I said, we've always given. He said, You've, we've always given. I gave when I made 50000 I gave when I made 100000 Somebody said this to me. If you can't give a dime of a dollar, you won't give a hundred of a thousand. I got taught that early on, and I was grateful that I got taught that. So I never look at the amount. I just honor God. I pray and I honor God with it. Listen, that's what that's what you do to get it blessed that's what you do to have God touch it to have God expand it money won't solve your problems it never will this is the big lie also if you had more money watch you could help more people oh no I, I said this to God I, I'm not lying I even said this to God recently man God I give like if you meet like if you let me win the lotto which I never play by the way just fact, I've never even had a lottery ticket, okay? But if you let me win the lotto, maybe I find a ticket on the ground, I win the lotto, I'd give it, I'd tithe, off, I'd bless people. I'd hook them up. My whole family, I'd pay off all their houses. I'd take care of everybody, God. And he goes, no, you wouldn't. I go, what do you mean, no, I wouldn't? Yeah, the money to capture you. If you're asking for a greater temptation than you can handle, son. <laughs> Listen, I'm convinced of this. I'm not wealthy because it would have ruined me. By the way, by the world's standards, every single person sitting in this room is disgustingly wealthy. You, you figure if you live at the poverty level in the United States, you're in the top 10% of wealth, listen, in the world. I know America's expensive, I get that. Other people in the world, man, they're trusting God for the next meal. Not whether or not they can buy the nice or whatever. Listen, not wrong to have nice stuff, honor God. First, no matter what, the big lie is that you'd help more people. That money is the answer to solve problems—not true. Okay, so let's answer another question. You guys, okay? Hanging in? Is money evil? I love. I love this. <laughs> Ooh, okay, can I get all the no's on the right side of the room, all the yeses on the left side? The truth is, money is neutral. Money's neutral. Money's not evil. It, it, watch. First Timothy six ten. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It says that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, not of every evil. But generally speaking, if you follow the money, you'll follow the root of the evil. Almost all of the time. You know, you've heard it said, just follow the money. You know, I, I want to show you the power of Mammon in another text in Revelation. This is chapter 18. I'm going to read a number of verses, so I'm going to do this fast. Um, just track with me. It's chapter 18, verse 10 is actually where I'm, I'm going to start. And it says that standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment. Now, this is when judgment is happening on Babylon. Woe, woe, the great city Babylon. Remember, Mammon, Babylon, they're connected. Okay. A strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over here. Why do the, the merchants weep and mourn? Mammon. They just lost their, their wealth. They just lost their life because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Verse 12 cargoes of gold and silver, precious stone, pearls, fine linen. Purple, silk, scarlet, and every kind of citron wood, and every article of ivory, and every article made from very costly wood and bronze and iron and marble. So all sorts of stuff. Verse 13, cinnamon, spice, incense, perfume, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, and cargoes of horses and chariots. Watch, and slaves and human lives. You should pay attention to that. Because what does money do? Money controls people by buying and selling them. See, loving and serving mammon is the root of evil. Money can be used for righteous, unrighteous, can be used for temporal or eternal things. Listen, listen, write this down. Listen, if you've got notes, write this down. People are eternal. People are eternal. Your soul will exist forever. So will other peoples. They exist forever. Your car, your house, your wealth, your pension, the stocks, none of those are evil, by the way, but none of those are eternal. Only people. Only people are eternal. Luke sixteen nine. he says to you, I say make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness or by mammon so that when it fails, they'll receive you into eternal dwellings. Now, at first read, that sounds like buy friends. Use your money to get people on your side, and when things are bad for you, they'll help you. Incidentally, that doesn't work. I used to deal drugs, remember? I'm not proud of that, by the way, but, but you were always everybody's friend when you showed up with stuff, but when you showed up with nothing, all of a sudden, you weren't their friends anymore. Listen, it doesn't work that way. This is actually what it means. It means your money should be used for things that are eternal people use your money to bring people to christ and when your money runs out you fail you go to heaven there will be people there who will greet you and say thank you for giving so we do stuff in guatemala we do stuff in thailand we do stuff in mexico we do stuff locally with the homeless we help people within our church we do all kinds of stuff now, I remember a few years ago, we took a team down to Guatemala, and we started working in the village. Um, Los Achotes, I think I'm saying that correctly. Oh, he's in with the youth. I was going to say, Eric, did I just say it right? But I'm pretty sure that's pronounced correctly. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry went with me. I remember we, we did a water project. That was the first thing we did. Now, now in America, we don't really think much, because you turn the faucet, and what comes out? Water. water. And for the most part, it's safe. You ain't going to die from drinking water in America. Okay. That's not true in other countries, by the way. You've heard the don't drink the water. Drink the water in Mexico one time, it was a bad deal, just saying, it was not good. So we go there and they say, do the water project for us. So we buy a whole bunch of PVC pipe. By the way, the water project is really cool because the way that they do it, they stick a a tube like way up at a lake hill and then they run all these tubes all the way down to the village and then they put a, a nozzle at the end. You turn it on and gravity flows the water to the village. So they say, oh, you're coming to the village. So we show up with the team, and there's this like spout of PVC that comes out of the ground, and, there's, and they turn it on, and the kids are like sticking their face in it, and they're playing in the water. And I thought, we did that. We did that. We said I love you by giving them fresh water. We said, And then we started helping, and then we built the pastor's home. I remember I went in his home, and this was shortly after our house had had damage. We would go in his home, and I walk in, and the roof has holes in it. And it's raining in his house because the roof has holes in it. And the floor is all wet, and they're walking in mud. And I immediately said, we're building him a house because we have the means to do it and he should not live like this and serve God's people. We need to build him a house. So we built him a house. Then we went back to the school. We built them a school, like an actual classroom for all the young kids, because their classroom was just like the pastor's house. It was leaking everywhere. There's mud everywhere. So we just helped them set it all up so that the kids could get educated, because in a third world country, education's key. You get a kid, kid educated, they have the opportunity to actually make a living. They can translate, speak English. It's a big deal. I remember that I remember being in Thailand, and this was actually one of the most difficult things I've ever experienced. Um, there was a refugee camp, and in Thailand, the refugee camps are large, so there'll be, you know 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 people in there. It's like a city that's enclosed, it's gated. You can only go in and out with the government's approval, and that's even true if you're a refugee. Some of them they will let out for like day passes to go to work and stuff like that. But pretty much you were born there, you live there. So we, we get a message that there's a fire in the refugee camp. Well, all of their huts are grass. So if you've ever lit grass on fire, boom, 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 38 people die, one of them was pregnant, 39 people. Happened in the middle of the night. I get the message, and this is when our church was quite a bit smaller, and, and so we took a special offering and then we, we, the church itself matched the offering and I think it was like six, $5,000, $6,000, it wasn't even a lot of money. And we sent the money to rebuild their houses. So we trekked through the, the, the jungle and literal jungle, like 30 miles of off-roading to get there. River crossing it was awesome. I love that stuff, I'm an adventurer. But we get there and immediately you walk into this sense of just immense grief. 40 people died, 39. But they're broken hearted. And their houses, Like, so they, they go, pastor, come on, come look. And they show us and there's this row of huts and we, we built them, we paid for them. And I'm like, wow, okay, great, they've, they've got homes is there anybody living in them? Because a lot of them died. And I started to look at people's eyes, and I could see the sadness and the, the brokenheartedness. And, and so we started talking with people and praying with them and, and crying with them because some of them were really, really sad. And then they asked me, they said, would you like to preach in our church? And I said, be honored. And before I go preach in the church, they take me over to a prayer room. They said, we, we rebuilt the, the church and we rebuilt the prayer room. Would you dedicate the prayer room? I don't know. But think about that a second. You're in a place that's been devastated. They're trusting God we provide, and they're asking us as if we did something enormous to dedicate their prayer room. I mean, if I'm honest, it was one of the more, like, humbling, honoring. You know, I, I mean, I'm like, I've never dedicated a prayer room. I walked in with the leaders, and they, they even told me the etiquette, like I had to do things a certain way because... It was a traditional movement, and then they, then I go into their church and I preach in their church, and and I just pray a a prayer of of healing for grief and loss that God would bring beauty from ashes. And I remember people were in tears; it was wild. Because we gave. Listen, that's how you need to think about money. See, people are eternal; souls are eternal. When you give, you have the opportunity to speak the love of God. In the midst of tragedy, devastation, loss, you get the opportunity to celebrate with kids who are, you know, drinking fresh water. Their village didn't have water. We're providing water for them. It's just remarkable if you'll do it God's way, how much he'll meet you at that intersection. Like, I'm confident of this. A day is going to come where I'm going to stand in heaven. You're going to stand in heaven. We're going to stand in heaven. And God's going to say, well done, because you gave that little boy water. He's the next Billy Graham in Guatemala. Oh, by the way, all the souls that he led to Christ—they're your reward. I'm mean, be like, heck yeah! So, could I have pearly gates on the new house in heaven? God, no! I'm playing out. <laughs> I think I—I think I'd pick a four-by-four four first, if I'm honest. But listen, when we respect and honor God with money, we take it out of the world system, we put it into God's economy. I've said this over and over. God doesn't need anything. God owns everything. Hello? But when we honor him, we receive blessing, and God moves through our lives, and it preaches the gospel. It's how you preach the gospel. It's how you expand the kingdom of God, all because we supported and we gave. See, man, God will turn money into souls. He's the only one who can actually do that. Take something that's unrighteous and make it righteous. God's the only only one who can do that. Man, remember, money sends missionaries, sends food. It helps people. Listen, because people are eternal. So what do you do? What should you do with your money? Be a good steward. Manage it. Don't let it manage you. Listen, when we do financial peace, take the class. Listen, if you're too broke to take the class, I will pay for it. Okay? Because I had people come to me and go, I want to, because I think it's, I don't remember how much, 125 bucks take the class. It's, it's, there's a resource involved. You get a whole bunch of books and stuff. There's, it's very good. But listen, listen, listen. It's the best 125 bucks we ever spent. It got us out of debt, got us living below our means got us living without, like, paying interest to banks and Citibank. And, like, I'm smart. Somebody say I'm smart because some of you do this too. How many of you guys travel on other people's points and rewards? Come on. I Listen, I got a card, and I put everything on that card. It's budgeted. Everything goes on. I go get sushi, I'm like 1%. I go, I go get a rental car, 2%. And then at the end of the year, they send me a check, and I didn't pay a single lick of interest, not a penny. That's how you. That's how you should think. I mean, preach it, Liz, from the seats. Love it. <laughs> yep. So, so listen, listen. Is it the amount or is it the heart? Watch, watch, watch. Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. And he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. Verse 2. And he says, and he saw a poor widow, putting two small copper coins. And he said, truly I say to you, the, the poor widow put in more than all of them. For they all out of their surplus put into the offering. But she, out of her poverty, put all that she had to live on. See, God saw her gift as extravagant because giving is about the heart. It's not about how much. It's not about how much you make or what you do with it. See, listen, you got to think like this. The only thing between you and people, the only thing between God and people is you. See, God is saying, "Will can I trust you? If I give this to you, will you be a blessing to other people? See, listen, I can tell you this for sure. You can't outgive them. Listen, we've been generous over the years. We've been generous, faithful in giving. We've given away stuff. We've given away cars. We've given away stuff. We see people in need. My wife is amazing. All of a sudden, she's buying clothes for somebody I don't even know. I'm like, what, do you, what is, the, there's no one that, that size in our household. Yeah, there's somebody at church I saw that could use this. Oh. Okay. She just does that stuff. She, she's just one of those people who kind of catches the, the person who could be blessed if she just went out of her way. You know, that's, that's how we should be behaving. Like I've said it over and over do you have your money or does your money have you? Listen, you can't outgift God. Just keep, you're the person, you're the person in between the person's need and God. And a lot of times he'll use us to do that. And there's no limit to what God will do with somebody like that. He says in verse 10, he says, if you're faithful in little things, you will also be faithful in much. If you want to be faithful with much, you should be faithful in little things. Now, I know some of you in the room are like, man, I don't have enough of this mammon stuff anyways to care, God. Yeah, and if you think like that, you never will. See, God doesn't say steward your wealth. He says steward everything. Not just when you have enough to give. Steward now. Now. I remember that, like, I feel like I'm telling on myself so much. I used to be a waiter. So when I was coming up, got out of Bible college, and, and I didn't have a ministry position, waited tables, and so I always had cash. Anybody else ever been a waiter here? Man, I miss always having money in my pocket. That was cool. It was like, ooh, look, at I'm balling all of a sudden. But I'd go to church, and they'd pass an offering. to The church I went to Pass an offering plate. We don't. There's a box in the back you can give online. Do what you need to do. They pass it, and I remember every week I'd take it, you know twenty bucks, drop twenty bucks in, but but at the end of the week I made way more than twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Like like two hundred would be twenty bucks. I made way more than two hundred bucks. And I remember somebody taught me that if you can't be if you can't give God a dime of a dollar, you won't give him ten of a hundred, and you won't give him a hundred of a thousand. If you want him to trust you, tithe. So I started keeping track of what I made. I'd get to the end of the week. I made $367, $36.70. I'd always round up because I wanted to be generous with God. I'd go to 40 and I'd drop it in the bucket. And then I'd watch myself get better shifts, and I'd make more money. I'd have somebody come through the restaurant, and they'd just randomly, man, you were funny, you were cool. And they'd tip me like a ridiculous $100 tip on a $200 bill. Stuff like you're like, sweet. And I kept watching God promote me, promote me, promote me. I could never outgive him. And I learned, I learned, you just honor God first. And I kept track of it, and I honored God first. And to this day, I'm shocked by my life, if I'm honest. You know, no, I don't have new cars. I have old cars. My wife says it's the newest car. It's a 2015. All of our cars run good. I'm, I'm content with my ugly beater 4x5. I love it. You know why? Because I can go scratch it up, and I don't even care. <laughs> but I do, I, I truly am grateful for what I have. I, would I like a brand new you know, Jeep Renegade or Rubicon? Or, yeah. Do I need that? No. Because if I got that, I wouldn't be honoring God with a tithe because that's where it would come from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I choose. Wh- who am I going to honor? Myself? Or am I going to honor God? When you honor God, he'll give you more. When you don't honor him, you limit his hand of blessing. Yeah. This makes sense, church. Yeah. Okay, okay, so let me see if I can wrap this up now because I'm kind of talking to y'all. Remember this, you've been blessed to be a blessing. Good stewards will always get more. If God can trust you, he'll always entrust you more. We all have some, and God says, be faithful with the sum that I've given you. When you're faithful with the sum, he'll reward you with more. You know, if we're faithful with little, then we're given more. Verse 12 of Luke 16, he says, if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Um, So we have to understand that if we're faithful with our part, God will be faithful on his part. And why is money such a battle? I mean, why is it such a battle? Listen, listen, because it's spiritual. That's why it's such a battle. Because there's a spirit on the money of the world. There's a spirit on the blessing from God. And you're in a spiritual battle for what you do with your stuff. Does this make sense, church? That's why it's so difficult. And and God can turn money into souls. Don't ever forget that. The last thing Satan wants is for your giving to get somebody into eternity. It's the last thing he wants. But that is how the economy of God works. If you'll manage and steward, I'll bless and, and I'll expand it. I'll reach people, I'll touch them, I'll, I'll save them, because people are forever. You know, I heard this story. This, I thought this hilarious, this is a great story. So this lady is married to this man, and the man is filthy rich, he's disgustingly wealthy, and he tells his wife, when I die, I want you to bury me with my money. <laughs> so the, the day comes where the guy dies, and so the, the wife's like, what the heck? So she writes a check, For his entire wealth. (laughs) And she sticks it in his casket. She says, if he can cash that, then he can have it. (laughs) Man. I'm going to say something really strong, and then we're going to wrap up. I don't want to close heavy, um, but I'm going to say something strong. What are true riches to God? Our hearts, souls, people, people. So what are true riches to God? It's people. I'm going to give you the answer. The answer is people. What are true riches to God? Soul, Soul people. That, that, you, that was pathetic. This, you guys are like a sixth grade class. that You're like, you want to go to lunch. Would you just end already? Okay, the answer is people. I'm not letting you go to lunch until you say people. What's really important to God? People. They're, okay, good. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Okay. Okay. Jesus said that he would only entrust true riches, people, to people who are wise stewards of things, money. So as a pastor, I trust people with responsibility, with oversight, with teaching. This will sound strong. If you don't have this area under control, I'm not sure that I wanna trust true riches people to you. I know that sounds harsh, I'm not trying to be harsh. Jesus actually said it. He would give true riches to people who manage things well. Don't hear me say, I don't want you to serve. Hear me say this, I want you to grow. I understand what I'm talking about. It's always like, there's always a group of people that are uncomfortable with talking about money. Jesus talked about it often. The church doesn't need your money, by the way. We're not broke. We have managed well over the years. We have savings. We're not broke. And I can assure you, God does not need your money. He's definitely not broke. Why should you do this stuff? Because God asked us to. That's why you should. Why should you honor him? Because this is God's idea. Because he said, if you'll bring the tithe, I'll bless the rest. It's a a priority of maturity. It's a principle. And when it's all said and done, it's ultimately this. People last forever. Discipling people in the church, sending Guatemala, sending to Thailand, helping the homeless locally. Anything that we do is all about reaching people in the name of Jesus because people last forever. One more scripture. I'm, not, I'm actually not even late. So one more scripture. I know. You guys are going to get to go to lunch on time. Okay, so Luke chapter 12. Starting in verse 13, Jesus began, he said to them, beware and on your guard against every form of greed. Man, does that stuff sneak up on you or what? I don't know about you, but I like tuna fishing. And when God tells me to give money away, I'm like, man, I don't get to go tuna fishing. (laughs) But I'm also aware of this. I recently gave to somebody, and I'm not trying to toot my horn, won't tell you who or what. But when I gave, this is what I thought. That person is gonna to touch more people. And someday I'm gonna stand before Jesus and he's gonna say, because you did that, this happened, way to go. I, and I know that. But, but Jesus said, listen, be aware that greed is coming, like from every form, for, for not even when one has abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Money is not the solution, you guys. And he told them a parable saying, the, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? So the guy's got all kinds of crops coming in. Verse 18, he says, then he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my current barns. I'm going to build larger ones. And, and there I'm going to store the grain of my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, drink, and be merry, but God said to him, you fool. And that's words I never wanna hear from God, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you, and, and now who will own that which you've prepared? So is, this man who, so is this man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward, who? God. Ah. And he said to his disciples, for this reason I say to you, don't worry about your life. How many of you guys worry about your life? Come on, my hands up. Always worrying. How are ends going to meet? What about this? What about Don't worry about your life as to what you'll eat, nor your body as to what you'll put on. Consider the ravens, and which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If, then, you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? In other words, worrying doesn't change it, right? Doesn't change it. Verse 27, he said, consider the lilies. Then he goes on. He says, "Do not keep worrying, for all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. Who seeks it? The nations of the. So it's worldly then. And your father knows this. But seek first what the kingdom, uh, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to charity." Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out an unfailing tra- treasure in heaven. A what? Unfailing treasure where? In heaven. in heaven where no thief comes nor the moth that destroys. For where your treasure is, your there your heart will be also. L- listen, I, I've said this multiple times in this series. Show me your checking account. I'll show you where your treasure is. What you prioritize is where you'll spend money first. It's just the way that it is. Don't take that as some condemning statement. Look and say, God, how do I reprioritize this? See, listen, listen. Anytime I talk about this and somebody's taking it seriously, they're like, man, I gotta start giving. I need to start honoring God with a tithe. Some of you might need to change the way that you just, you might need to get a different car. You might need to live differently. You might need to change your vacation budget and give. You, you might need to change the way that you're doing things, OK? Now, I know that that's a broad statement. We had to do the same thing. Early on, it was actually measure what. And then when we got married, it's like, man, kids are expensive. Hello? Kids are really expensive. And by the way, everybody thinks when they get older, it gets better. They, it doesn't. It get, they're way more expensive when they're big. Cars and insurance and gas money in school is much, much more. And then if they get married, good God. I'm telling you what. (laughs) My daughter's getting married in May. I know these things. Listen, I understand that this is a challenging part, a statement of, are you going to grow and honor God? Listen, I understand that. I'm challenging you to take it back to the Lord and say, God, how do I make this happen? Mm -hmm. Listen, I've said this over and over. I don't look at what you guys give. I don't ever look at what you guys give. The only time I ever look at giving is if you're nominated to be an elder. Because of what I said earlier. Why would I trust true riches to you people if you can't manage your stewardship, your household? It's the only reason I look. And even then, I don't look. Celeste looks for me. And this is all this is what I she's our bookkeeper. This is well, she's way more than that. She's like, oh anyways, okay. So but but she does, she manages our money. So so listen, this is what I'll say. Is there a pattern of giving that looks like a tithe? I don't want to know the amount. That's what I ask her. You can ask her. You can ask her afterwards. I don't ever look. I don't ever want to know. And the reason I don't want to is I don't want to love you differently because I think, you don't even help. I Listen, I'm human. I'm being straight up honest with you guys. I don't want that thought ever to be in my heart. So this is what I, I don't look. I don't know if you give, bless you. If you don't, bless you. I don't look. And I don't want to look. I'm not going to look. Only time I look is when somebody's going to be positioned to oversight, because if you can't manage that, then I shouldn't trust people to you. It's a biblical principle. So listen, listen. So don't go, man, he's going to go look. He's going to know I didn't. I'm going to miss the next two weeks because there's two more weeks of this study, and I hate this study. No, 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 no. Take the journey with God and grow. I told you, go back to God and pray. God, what are you saying to me in this season? What are you saying? Because listen. Listen. It, 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 God is asking for your heart, not for your stuff. He doesn't need your stuff. Exactly. Doesn't need your stuff. He wants you to honor him first with everything that he entrusts you. So I'm going to close with this. And once again, telling on myself. Now I've already shared with you guys, I'm shocked at how God makes our ends meet. Like I'm always blown away by it. Um, you know, we, when, when I went into ministry, actually even way before that, my, my wife has never worked work, had to work, because we decided she would raise our kids. And if you know my kids, best investment we ever made. I'm being serious, like, I know y'all got good kids, I got awesome kids, I'm just saying, no, I don't, no, No, I do, and my kids love Jesus, and I know that that was us saying, we're not gonna drive brand new cars because we wanna raise our children. We're not gonna get big giant, more beyond us house because we're gonna raise our, we made decisions that limited the way that we live so that we could actually raise our kids. Mm-hmm. And, and my kids are, are awesome. Like, I'm not saying they're better than yours. I'm just saying I'm really pleased. All three of my kids walking with Jesus, and I'm proud of them. Amen. Amen. Now, now that took a sacrifice. But I was praying about this this week, and just yesterday we were in the car. And we were yard selling of all things. By the way, I told you a lot of the ways we do things, we yard-sell. Like, I find tools. They're cheap. Sometimes I buy tools, and I sell them because I can make money on them. No, I'm serious. I'll go to a yard sale and some guy will go, go, oh, you know, give me five bucks for the whole thing. All right? And I look at him and I go, dude, there's 150 bucks in that. He doesn't know what he's got. So I say this, I'll give you three. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. It's a yard sale. Come on, OK, that was funny. You got to admit, that was funny. So I get it and then I'll turn it around. And I'll put it on. But we were in the car yard selling yesterday. And I said this to my wife and my mother-in-law were with me. I said, man, God is dealing with me with contentment. And they go, yeah. And I go, I'm, I'm never content. I'm blessed. And I know that it comes from God. But I'm never like, I got a nice home, not satisfied. I like my old truck, not satisfied. I love my church, not satisfied. I know everything. Every, I look at every year of my life, and, I, and this goes on inside me. It should be more. should be something else. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, why, like, why today are you showing me that? And it, I'll just be can He said, because I'm showing you how much you've bought into the world. Mm-hmm. By, by the way, I give. And I give offerings, too. I'm generous. Well, I should say we. We're generous. Like, like This is not about being. But I, I just felt like the Lord was saying, there is a discontent in you. In First in Timothy 6, it says, godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm like, okay, God, you've got to help me. And, and then I said, why are you showing me this now? He said, because there's a bunch of people in your church who feel just like you. They have and they're, they're not satisfied. And I went, eesh. So I didn't want to tell on y'all, but I had to tell on me to tell. on. So as we close today, I just really want to pray for that, that we would be content with what God has given to us. Because that's where I started. I'm just like, you know what? I'm grateful that I love Jesus. I'm grateful that I'm not off doing stupidity. Grateful I'm not in jail. Grateful I have a wonderful wife and three amazing kids. I'm grateful with the things God has blessed me with in my life. But God, I want contentment. I I don't just want to be grateful. I want to be satisfied. That makes sense? So I don't know if that applies to you, but if it does, when I pray, you can agree with that prayer for yourself because immediately it set me to, man, God, you got to show me where that avenue is. One thing he showed me is this, so maybe this will apply to a few of you, showed me that it's actually rooted in fear. You're afraid that I'll stop taking care of you. That's where it comes. It's fear. It's not faith. And what's crazy to me is I've never, ever had a time since I've been a believer where God came up short. I've had difficult times. Anybody else had difficult times? Things happen. Things break. Cars break. Stuff. Life. But I can't say there's ever been a time where God didn't meet us in our point of need. Never. So there's not a reason for me to operate in fear, but I do. And I went, okay, God, you got to help me with this. Maybe that's you. Anyways, let me close in prayer. I'm going to pray over this area of contentment then I'm going to send you all out to to go and be a blessing and to just wrestle it around with God. That's my biggest encouragement. Wrestle it around with God. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. So Father, I, I wanna say first off, thank you that the word of God is just so, like it's just so, it, it cuts in, just cuts in. You, you actually said that it would do that. You said that it would divide soul and spirit and joints and marrow. You said it would cut in. So Holy Spirit, we're giving you invitation to cut in God, particularly in the area of contentment, we know your word declares that godliness with contentment is great gain. And God, we want to be people who live content, who live satisfied, who live not only generously in, in terms of how we commit our, our stewardship and our finances to you, God, but but also that we're satisfied with everything that you give to us. Because ultimately, we know that everything comes from your hand. It's not our ability, our our drive, our extra hard work. God, it's that you are a generous God who cares for your kids. So God, I pray over the area of contentment that there would be um, just a, a, a graciousness of your spirit to lead us in truth. God, with the areas that we're battling with, I just pray a breakdown of fear. And God, I know that fear is always rooted in a not understanding love because perfect love casts out all fear. So God, where I don't understand it, I pray that you would help me. Where others don't understand it, I pray the exact same thing for them. God, I pray that you would grow us up. Make us mature children of the living God. Those who understand that you entrust little to us. And when we do well with little, you you would entrust more so that we can be a blessing. So God, as we go today, I pray that you would grow us. Give us a grace over each of our lives to not only love you passionately, deeply, diligently, but also to love each other the same way. God, thank you for this day, for this house of worship, for this community of faith. And you're just really, really gracious to us. Continue to keep your hand on us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you all. I love you. Take the journey with God. Be, uh, Be faithful. And if you have any other questions, I'm always here. And if you need prayer, we are available to pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you. I have an amazing rest.